Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, it has just gone 12 midday, which means it is time for the call. 10 stocks picked by you, our viewers, two expert guests, and we have one hour to get through them all. It's Tuesday, the 15th of December. I'm your host, Andrew Page. And today we've got a couple of great guests to answer your questions. I'm joined in the studio by Gary uh, Glover from Novus Capital. Gary, always good to see you. Thanks, Andrew. How's the market treating you? Yeah, it's not a pretty friendly market, so yeah. It's, it's always better than the alternative, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, and joining us via Skype, we've got Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Howard, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, Andrew. A long time no see, and uh, good to see you, Gary. Yeah, it's great. And uh, we've got a nice crystal clear line on Skype too. So we are all set up for a good show. Now, before we get into the 10 stocks that have been suggested by you, we always start with our stock of the day. And I just could not help, but uh, I couldn't go past Pushpay today. It is in a trading hold as Church Donor Platform sets up a book build. It's trying to sell a massive 55 million shares. That's just under 5% of all of the issued capital. And this is being done. Uh, the biggest uh, sell here is with uh, Chris, Chris Heaslip, uh, the executive, uh, uh, non-executive director uh, and former CEO. And we're also seeing Chris Fowler, who was the founder of Church Community Builder, uh, the company that Pushpay acquired last year. It's also selling a big chunk of shares. Gary, I'm going to start with you. The market doesn't like to see this. Does it no. change anything? Well, let's start the bigger picture here. Did you have a, a, a view on push pay prior to this? Oh, not me personally, no. I mean, it's, uh, what have we got, 10,800 customers. So um, look, the, the plus for this company is that actually they're profitable, which is pretty rare in this space because yeah. most of them uh, don't make a lot of money and the revenue lines obviously are going up, which everyone's, that's the appealing aspect to the market at the moment. But these guys actually do make a little bit of profit. So not what a big they one. they say? Sales is vanity, profit is sanity? <laughs> yeah. So maybe they're a little bit more better managed uh, than uh, some of the other companies in terms of uh, the metrics. But when you see the founders you know, selling what, 5% of the company down, pretty big numbers there. Mm. You know, if really, if you, if you thought this thing had lots more legs, you'd be probably, you should be sort of staying with it. I know they've got to exit at some point, but this is pretty big. Yep. Uh, not exactly sort of a little bit at a time here. So... Uh, to me, sort of writing on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Before our viewers uh, fall off their seats, or if you have fallen off your seat, uh, please get back up on it. The, the reason that you're seeing that huge plunge in the share price is that Pushpay recently did a four for one share split. So that, that is not the, uh, the, the true reflection there. So you have to take everything prior to that big plunge and divide it by four. And when you do that, it's not nearly as, as scary. So just, just to point out that very important clarification there. Howard, uh, Gary does make uh, an interesting point. It's one I think that is shared very widely amongst uh, investors. You don't like to see investors selling out. I will give you one interesting factoid though here. Last time Chris uh, Heaslip sold out some shares and I think he sold around 12 million individual shares. The adjusted share price was at 87 cents. So in fact, by doing that in June of last year, 
he actually cost himself close to $13 million. So it's not always a bad sign, is it? Well, it perhaps means he's not a particularly good investor. But <laughs> um, what, what it does tell us, though, is that when the insiders in a company are quite regularly selling down large stakes in the business, and that's happened in this company quite a few times, uh, it's not a company I would normally follow, doesn't have enough history to come up on our radar on Team Invest. But um, just reading, um, uh, when I knew we were going to cover it today, just reading up on the company, there have been a number of major sell downs by the insiders. Now, when they believe that their shares are overpriced and they'd rather have their money than shares, it's not a sign that investors who know less about the company should think that the shares are worth more than the money. Um, because why are the insiders so keen to get the money? So, uh, you know, my view would be uh, forgetting about what uh, the, the, the market may think. Um, you know, if somebody came to you about a private company and said, I'm particularly eager to keep on selling down my stake, would you like to buy my stake? You'd run a mile. Is there some context here? I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'll, I'll let you in on, on why I'm doing so uh, in a moment. But uh, let's say you were a founder, you've spent 15 years of your life building up this company and one day you speak to your accountant and they say, do you realize, Mr. Coleman or Mr. Glover, that you've got 99% of your net worth in, in one company? Um, perhaps it's a good idea to diversify. Is, is, there not, is there not some rationale in doing it, even if you have a very, very optimistic view towards a business? Well, the Gary, oh, oh, sorry, Howard, I'll start with you. Uh, sorry. Uh, the reason for diversification usually is to reduce your risk. Um, Warren Buffett's never sold down his shares, nor Charlie Munger, um, in uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And I don't think uh, uh, Amazon founder uh, Bezos has been selling down his shares. So, you know, when people have huge confidence in their business going forward, why do they need to sell down their shares um, to diversify? You only diversify if you think that by spreading your risk, you're going to reduce the risk on this one business you're in. So you're actually saying to potential buyers of the shares, I think there's a fair bit of risk in owning these shares. Why don't you take that risk off my hands and I'll diversify into something else where I think the risk is, is lower or my overall risk will be lower. So as I say, not a good sign. Okay, I can't sway Howard. Can I sway you, Gary? Yeah, look, I think the other day, you just look at the numbers there. So the US revenue, 85 mil US. Uh, that's up 53%, so a pretty good jump in the year. But market cap, 1.96 billion. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty big market cap for a, for a, comp for a company that uh, on that sort of revenue number. Yep. And net profit, 13 million as well, trading at uh, almost 2 billion. So. Mate, the founders know here that this thing is uh, well, well priced. Everyone around them has probably told them as well. So, uh, yeah, time to well, cash I'll, in your I'll, chips. I'll disclose yeah. my hand. I am a shareholder and have been since about 2016 or so. So you yeah. can uh, full disclosure. Yeah. Uh, I am biased. I did try my my hand at a few leading questions there, but these gentlemen, to their full credit, yeah. giving me a frank and fearless answer there. And I hope that uh, that has helped anyone out there either holding Pushpay or considering buying into it. But that's enough about uh, Pushpay. Let's get right into our 10 stocks as suggested by you. The first one has been sent in by Ben. Now, Ben has asked us about Austal. The ASX ticker code there is ASB. Howard, these guys are in the business of building ships. Is that is that the kind of business that would pique your interest? Well, generally not because it's a highly capital intensive business. 
Um, I mean, the good side of it is who are you usually building ships for? You're usually building it for navies, and navies have public funds, which means they're inclined to overpay for anything that they spend money on. Defence forces are well known for overpaying. So it means probably you're going to get pretty good margins. Um, however, um, you know, it's it's a highly capital-intensive business. You You spend a lot of money building these ships to get paid for them later. And presumably you've got a fair bit of uh, guarantee work that you may have to do if the ship doesn't quite perform as well as uh, the Navy expected it to. But if you look at their metrics, their metrics uh, aren't particularly good. I mean, their return on equity has only exceeded 10% twice in 10 years. Now, if a company can't get a 10% return on equity, that's not a good sign. Um, Earnings per share have been growing reasonably over the last few years, so that's quite a, a positive, um, and their debt's okay. So two out of the three first quick metrics that we would look at uh, look reasonably okay. The PE ratio is actually quite low, only about 11 and a half. So if, if you look at those things, it looks quite good. But no, uh, highly capital intensive businesses like those building ships um, don't generally excite me because uh, uh, it, it, you can make much more money as a shareholder from companies that have very little in the way of capital expenditure and hence can have much higher return on the equity of your money that's sitting in the company. So a no for me, but uh, it doesn't look bad, actually. You could do worse, but but not enough to get it over the line for Howard. Gary, um, Howard makes a, a good point. In recent times, those, those per share earnings have up about fivefold, I think, yeah. which is which is incredibly strongly. However, however, it does appear to be a very lumpy earner as well. Are we seeing a low multiple potentially yeah. because we're sort of seeing it sort of calculated off what might be some might consider peak earnings? You've stolen my word there. Andrew. I have. I have yeah, beat lumpy. You to it. That's yeah. exactly the way I looked at this company as well. So, um, I mean, the headline number, the revenue line was up thirteen percent last year. Net profit was up forty five percent. So, a really good year, just had. Um, but the earnings and the you know the profits there have been lumpy in the past, so come sort of ebb and flow. Howell's right, the multiple's pretty reasonable here, 11.3 times, they're pretty attractive. The issue at the moment is that um, the reason why it's sort of coming down is that everyone's worried about uh, uh, defensive spend, because at the moment, obviously, with COVID there, no one's really, everyone's bunkering down within their own country, they're not really looking to take on anyone else in the world. I would have so almost thought, spend. given various yeah. global actors, yeah. no names mentioned, and heightened yeah. geopolitical sort of tensions, that might yeah. almost be a bit of a tailwind. Well, it hasn't thought. actually, not, not at the moment, no, everyone's actually, well, I guess all governments are pouring money into their, their economies, so spending it on defence is probably not going to be a priority at the moment. So, Gotcha. Um, so that's the concern, the markets, that's the reason why it's heading down. So. Look, it might actually be one to keep an eye on here because if the sell-down continues, it might actually get to a really cheap multiple yep. and there could be an opportunity here. You know, maybe if it gets sort of down into the low twos, so it might be, could, could be a really good buy if it gets, you know, if it gets really squeezed. Right. So, but it is a lumpy business, it always has been. So I think this is one you've really got to buy when it's really out of favour. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think there's, some, there's a lot of sense to that as well. And I guess just having some confidence longer term that although it is going to be a lumpy performer, there will be those contracts coming through. Yeah. 
maybe certainly not every year, but enough to sort of yeah. to make it to make it interesting. Unfortunately, Ben, neither Gary. Well, not unfortunately. Why apologise? It's good. It's good to. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I would argue as our as investors, our job is to say no more often than it is to say yes. So I won't apologise. But uh, thank you very much for the question, Ben. I hope it has helped you out. We're going to go to Karoon Energy next. Uh, the ASX ticker there is KAR. Tony has written in to ask us about this. Now, um, Gary, I'll start with you. These guys have made a profit before, but it was in 2015, and that's the only time I can see it in the last 10 years or so. Uh, a better times ahead? Yeah, possibly there. Look, it's a bit of a transition here for Karun. So they've just uh, had their first sort of um, oil production out of uh, the, uh, the, the um, Brazilian sort of asset there. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of trying to transition into becoming a, a serious oil producer, as they say. So early stages here. I do like the the energy space here, but I do feel like we're we're probably three quarters away through the rally. So there's probably a little bit further to go on the upside here, but you're coming in a little late. So I think Karun's the same thing here. It's had a pretty good run. Um, also, oftentimes you sort of you know buy the rumor, sell the fact. So mm -hmm. they've really just hit that production in the last couple of weeks here, and that sort of you know <coughs> it was like sort of Fortescue sort of had that great run. I remember. And the, the, the week of their first production was pretty much within a week of the first high. Correct. And then the next year or two, it actually traded down from there. So, What year would have this been, do you think? Well, 20... I remember the market cap for Fortescue was greater than ANZ at the time, and that was right. the week of the, the first right. week of the first, first production week. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. Great timing. Yes. <laughs> Although, to credit where it's true, yeah. Fortescue has been an outstanding, it's been yeah. 10x or something. But the next two or three years after that, you know, the markets always get ahead of themselves. So yeah. They tend to overvalue for the future yep. too much. So that's the only thing I see with Karoon here. I think it goes a little bit higher here, one maybe up towards 110, but mm -hmm. I think you missed the move here. I think most brokers are sitting a bit higher here and they have been upgrading. So roughly between 130, 150, most of the broker estimates. So okay. that's a little high here. And yep. the good news is that they've actually been moving them up. Yes, so, uh, okay. Rather than moving them down towards the price, right, so, right, yeah. So look, there's uh, well, the it's positive, but I think you might be a bit late here. Not, not going to get you over the line. I'm going to no. put you down as, as a no. She's yeah. hope does spring eternal, doesn't it? Though um, Howard, um, ten years ago, these guys were trading at six dollars a share. So that chart doesn't tell the full story that we just saw on screen. They've they've lost no. uh, what eighty something percent of their value over that time. Is you know. I, I know you too well to know to know that uh, you're going to give us a buy, but give us a reason as to why you wouldn't touch it. Yeah, well, as you said right at the beginning, Andrew, it's only made a profit once in 10 years. Um, 10 years ago, they were just about to make a profit because, or may not have been exactly 10 years ago, but the first time I got asked about it on air, which would probably be about 10 years ago, they were just about to produce some oil and they were going to be making a profit and they've been just about being able to going to make a profit ever since. And the one year in 2015, they surprised us all and actually did make a profit. And companies like this, it's a surprise when they make a profit. Um, but you, you don't invest your money. You know, you mentioned a point before, we should say no more often than we say, say yes. There are 2,200 odd companies on the stock exchange. The average person's probably gonna have a portfolio of about 20 odd companies. So that means, 99 times out of 100, you should be saying no, mm. and one time out of 100, you should be saying yes, because you're really looking for the 20 or maybe 25 best companies you can find in order to invest in them. And there's no way that a company that makes a profit once 
in a decade, never has ever paid a dividend to its shareholders that I can see, and uh, has raised a lot of extra capital because it's got twice as many shares uh, than it had 10 years ago, it had 240 million, it's now got 553 million. That's not going to be on any radar that we look at in Team Invest uh, come anywhere close to being one of the best 20, not even one of the best 100 or one of the best 200 companies that you could invest in in the stock market. So a strong no for me, but um, you know, if you want to gamble on that one day, maybe they'll get it right and they'll actually make money, uh, that's fine. I don't think, by the way, that comparing with Fortescue is, is accurate at all because uh, Fortescue is, was and has been uh, run by an extraordinarily driven, very profit-focused uh, founder and originally CEO. And uh, they read, uh, you know, few and far between. You're not going to find too many Andrew Forrests around. Yeah, yeah, no fair point. So that is a no from Howard, a no from Gary. Lots of no's all around so far. Let's see if we can get a yes on the next one. Howard, I'm going to stay with you here. McMahon Holding, another one of these engineering services business. Jim's keen mm. to know what you think of them. Uh, MAH is the ticker code here. Like a lot of them, they've kind of struggled since the end of the mining boom, but I I've heard recently a bit of talk around infrastructure spending. We've had higher commodity prices. Does that, does that make McMahon a bit more attractive for you, Howard? Well, certainly it, it looks better when uh, iron ore prices are $150 odd a tonne than if they were at the marginal cost of production, which is probably a bit less than $50 a tonne. So at the moment, there's a lot of money flowing in to WA, which is mainly where McMahon does most of its work. So they're in mining services. Their metrics are improving over the last few years. Earnings per share have been rising. Um, they went through a very tough time for a few years. Um, uh, return on equity has been improving. They haven't got that much debt. Um, they have paid a small dividend for the last two years, um, uh, not much before that. In fact, uh, nothing for several years before that. Profit margins are quite low because a lot of what they're doing uh, is, is also in maintenance. So uh, it, it's, it's not a yes from me in that I think there are better companies one can find in the same area, but um, it, it certainly doesn't look all that bad. And uh, let's just have a look at its PE ratio and how that compares with the past. Oops, if I can. Oh, and it's on a relatively low PE ratio of about 8.7. So um, you probably wouldn't do too badly uh, as an investor, Jim, if you bought it. But I do think there are better ones in the same space. But this one's quite cheap at an 8.7 uh, PE ratio. I'm, I might just be a bit cheeky then, Howard, and ask you if, if you were going to go into that space, what, what would be a preferred player as, uh, as opposed to McMahon? Well, probably the best uh, two businesses in that area are mineral resources and used to be Monodelphus, but they don't seem to be as well run as they used to be. So I'd probably say mineral resources, but at the moment, mineral resources are quite expensive. So you'd want to wait until the share price was a bit more favourable and the PE was a bit more favourable. This one's on a very low PE, um, you know, like a podium, uh, another possibility. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you only want one in the sector, the right place to probably be is mineral resources. Mineral resources. They came up last week, actually had some favourable comments from our guests there at the time. Um, Gary, uh, McMahon, though, is it one that um, gets you excited? No. No? No, no. I mean, look, it's, um, it's funny. I was, I was trying to remember this coming because I had got itself in a lot of trouble there going back and I was trying to 
remember yeah. what, what the troubles were about. And I, th I think it was actually highly geared um, at the top of the sort of mining boom ah. there. So, uh, so they really sort of got uh, crunched there. I think the balance sheet got in a bit of trouble there. It looked pretty dicey at one point. So it looks like obviously now the debt's obviously quite a lot lower, as Howard said, the PE is pretty low. They're making a reasonable sort of um, return here without being stellar. So it looks okay without being fantastic. So I probably agree with how there's probably better companies to look at in that sector. I've sort of have have traded mine and Delphus, but I agree with how that some of those stocks are really have moved pretty, pretty hot, so they're pretty expensive there. So mm. look, not the worst pick here. But um but yeah, it does look like it look at does look like the company has, has improved. Mm. Uh, so that's the good news there. It, it was actually, I, I do remember sort of, you know, top of that boom there was, was pretty pretty hot. So yeah. it was actually, did get some traction and get going. So maybe this, if it continued to improve there, maybe it can get a bit of traction there. It's, it can be cyclical again. That, you know, I know how it's, it's a can't compare Fortescue, but Fortescue went from $10 down to a dollar in the crunch. So sometimes these sectors can get hot and they can, can get squeezed as well. So the taps can sort of, the loosening and the tightening sort of can happen pretty quickly. Yeah. So at the moment, resources, commodities, pretty buoyant, but sector can get squeezed. And yeah, so seeing a few more entrants come back in as well. So just got to be careful to see lots of new entrants coming into one area. So it looks, it looks like it's stabilised there. So mm. that's the good news for the sector. So, mm. but not. I guess a bit of a B, you know, not yeah. an A, but a, maybe a B a here. A B, okay, yeah. so it could be worse. Do yeah. you ever look at the economics of these kinds of businesses? I know it's, it's one thing that's, that's I've found interesting with a lot of the, particularly these services businesses or people type businesses, you've got a lot of high paid engineers yeah. on board, et cetera. And, when, and there's a lot of work that is around there. A couple of things happen. One, everyone is busy, so you get yeah. nice high utilization. Two, you're not, it's not a competitive tender processes as much, so you, you, tend to, you tend to not have to sort of go really undercut everyone else. So you're getting high margin, lots of work, and these companies tend to be extraordinarily profitable, profitable in, yeah. in, the, in the good times. The trouble is when that dries up and, and yeah. the, the sectors they operate in are, are generally pretty cyclical, all of that operates in reverse. The margins squeeze, the yeah. utilization drops. It takes a long time to cut those costs. You can't just fire half the workforce yeah. easily. And even if you did, there's big redundancy costs. Is that, is that a, <laughs> I'm doing the leading question again, yeah. but is that, a, is that a consideration? Oh, I think it's a massive one. I think actually a lot of people who look at just pure metrics, the P&L, growth earnings just look at the you know the, the the spreadsheets of numbers this business can be quite misleading at times because you sort of do miss the stocks you do have to look a little bit ahead and you, you see that in mining obviously in mining space is capital intensive so their returns can be a bit lumpy as well and but the mining service is probably a cleaner business everyone's always more attracted to the you know picks and shovels sort of you know, side there, but yeah. they definitely do have cycles as well. So just got to be careful that you're not entering at, at the top of the cycle. Mm. So um, yeah, everyone's a little too buoyant for me at the moment for, um, for commodities and the resource sector. The good news is that the US dollar looks like it will go a bit lower. So that means the Aussie dollar will probably go higher. That means commodities will generally run a bit longer here, but to me, we're getting near, again near the tail again. Mm. So we're probably three quarters or maybe seven eighths of the way there, so maybe go a bit longer here, but I think you're getting to the getting to the upper end it's, here now. It's, so, it's, yeah, yeah may, maybe that this this train has yeah. passed. Let's sorry, how would you want to make yeah, a comment? Say it's odd to imagine the iron ore price still being hundred and fifty dollars uh, a year or two years from now, hundred and fifty dollars a ton. I mean uh, that's extraordinarily high when you consider that the iron ore miners produce iron ore 
uh, in all the big mines all around the world that produce iron ore for less than $50 a tonne. So, uh, and the Chinese are busy developing massive resources uh, in West Africa. There have also been big discoveries in Mongolia, which I'm sure will get developed uh, in the not too distant future. Afghanistan, which would get developed if they only had stability, which they don't. So, um, you know, the, the iron ore is the most common resource on earth. So uh, it's more the railway lines and the ports that matter. And as they get developed, uh, iron ore will come down closer to its marginal cost of production. So it's great for the companies now, but I can't see it lasting terribly long. It's just one of the magic things with capitalism, isn't it? There is nothing that attracts competition like high margins and, and great <laughs> profitability. Yeah. And when you are dealing yeah. in, Howard makes a great point, when you are dealing in a commodity, iron is iron is iron. Yeah. Maybe the geology purists might, might uh, disagree, but generally speaking, that's true. All those high prices do is attract a lot more supply onto the market. You remember from your high school economics, demand and supply, uh, you know, uh, work together to determine price. And there's, there's pretty much only way that one, one way that can go. Well, let's stick with a services businesses, a different one, though. This comes from Fran. Fran's interested in Mader Group. The uh, company there is MAD, um, which is a great ticker, MAD. Um, these guys, I believe, Howard, they were more involved in the equipment maintenance side of things, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be. Uh, not a company I'd ever looked at until uh, this morning, but it, uh, because it's only been listed a relatively short period, um, uh, about a year or so. But uh, uh, looking at it, it, it does seem to be mainly in equipment maintenance. And again, though, it is still tied to the mining industry. So at the moment, everybody's trying to maintain the equipment, have all the equipment working, because anything they can use the equipment for is highly profitable. Uh, when times aren't so good in the actual resource mining, um, people don't worry too much about getting the equipment fixed. They manage with less equipment and that one can stay parked in the meantime uh, until we decide to get it fixed one day. So um, it's too early to tell if it's run by people who really know how to run a business well because it's only been listed a short time. But in that one year of data that we have, the return on equity looks pretty good, which you'd expect for a largely maintenance business it's not capital intensive um, and it does make a profit um, which uh, a lot of companies that we get asked about nowadays don't so uh, and it doesn't have a huge amount of debt although more than i would have thought in a business of this type um, so it's a no for me simply because we don't really know how they've proven themselves through an economic cycle um, it's it's only been listed a very short time but the tiny bit of information that we have so far uh, doesn't look too bad. And again, it's on a P that's not all that high. But then, as we were saying so much of uh, just a few moments ago, um, you know, it probably is about as good as it gets in iron ore at the moment now. Um, and uh, it'd be hard to imagine it's going to continue at those prices for terribly much longer. Howard makes some pretty good points there, Gary. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the, a lot of electricians and drill support, and so I think WA, the iron ore industry, and the US as well are the two key markets. So I think, look, the multiple doesn't look, doesn't look expensive here 11 times. The revenue line has increased 20%, so in the short term, it's done a pretty good job. Um, the issue I sort of see there is they mentioned sort of border restrictions. It sort of, it sort of uh, it beds the sort of the limited staff because obviously they can't get can't get sort of more staff in from outside of the state. So 
um, that's going to limit the growth here in the short term. So just sort of, um, and then obviously restrictions in the US as well. So just the sort of, they're at, well, I guess they're, they're, you know, they're at where they're at, I guess, mm. at the moment. Yeah, so they're traveling on pretty well, not, not expensive, but border restrictions are going to really sort of stop them sort of moving forward here a bit. So until that sort of uh, changes, they're a little hamstrung here. So yeah, so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a hold here to me. It's not a, not a buy or a sell, I think. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, we, look, we've, we've talked um, shipbuilding, we've talked mining services, we've, we've, uh, we've talked energy, we've talked uh, uh, iron ore. Let's go somewhere completely different. Let's look at Capital Health. Capital Health, Tracy has written in asking us about this company. CAJ is the code. Can we get any love here, Gary? Oh, not for me, no. no. Look, I don't mind the space there. Obviously, in that sort of diagnostics and imaging, uh, so I like that field there. But it just seems like they're sort of growing by acquisition. So yeah. rather than sort of um, creating or making growth, you know. So, um, so you know, and I, I saw that, um, I think it might have been Shaw's are actually suggesting that um, they got access to 100 million here to start to, to, to actually go out and buy some more assets. So they just bought an asset for around 12 mil direct radiology. So they might be sort of trying to scale up here. Look, it might be a good time to be buying stuff, maybe in a suppressed market. So that might be the positive here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so far, I mean, the revenue line was only up 3%. Um, so I just, yeah, I just sort of haven't been, yeah, I don't remember. This had um, Andrew Dimitriatis, the AF, ex-AFL commissioner, was at the head there going back a few years. He's uh, left now, okay. but, but it just sort of hasn't really, it's underperformed here, sort of yeah, so I just so far I don't really like it, but there's room for some upside here. But I just haven't seen them. They seem to be buying growth rather than creating it, so I, I can't get excited about it. It seems um, pretty illiquid having a look at that chart as well, which is something else to be aware of there, Tracy. Yeah. Howard, Gary's Gary's talked a bit a bit, bit there about roll-up plays. We know that they don't have a fantastic history. Bit of an arbitrage play to a point, but then ultimately you need some organic growth, don't you? Yeah, and the problem is uh, each in order to make a difference to the bottom line, each acquisition you make needs to be bigger than the one before because you're getting yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. And this company has gone from having 360 million shares in 2012 to having over a billion shares eight years later. So it's constantly raising new capital, um, which is the, to me a little bit strange then that it's even reasonably liquid. Um, so uh, I find that a bit peculiar. It's on a very high PE2 of about 47, and um, it's only three times, uh, sorry, four times in the 10 years had return on equity greater than 10%. Its earnings per share been going down, even though its profits have been going up, but that's because they keep issuing so many extra shares, and it's got a reasonable amount of debt. And again, you know, you only want 20, 25, maybe, shares in your portfolio, you want to pick the best in every area. So if you're particularly keen on diagnostics, this isn't the best company in diagnostics. Um, you could find better. I mean, integral diagnostics is clearly a better one. Uh, it doesn't pass all our filters, but it clearly looks a lot better than this one. So if that's a space you wanted to be into, I can just off the top of my head think of a better one, and there may be a better one than that too. 
Okay, gents. Well, we are at the halfway mark. Let's do a quick recap on the stocks. And it is thumbs down across the board. Uh, push pay, that was the stock of the day. No love there. The gents don't like to see insiders selling down. Austal, very lumpy, very capital intensive. It's been on a good run of late. The PE is low. But again, these guys are being fussy, which is, I think, a pretty good thing. So, so two, two thumbs down there. Karoon Energy, they've only made a profit once in the past 10 years. Shares have gone from six to $1 uh, over uh, uh, the last decade or so. Hope springs eternal, but again, the, the gents just really aren't seeing any reason to buy. McMahon, not too bad. Let's, let's be fair and throw credit where it's due. There are far worse businesses on the ASX, but uh, as, as we have mentioned a couple of times here today, this is a game of, you know, it's not like your children. You're allowed to play favorites when it comes to stocks, okay? So, uh, and, and on that basis, we got, we got uh, two thumbs down. Uh, Howard did suggest mineral resources for anyone who is in that space, although did also suggest that perhaps it's, 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 uh, you need to be a little bit opportunistic there and maybe buy on a bit of uh, price weakness. We had Mater Group. These guys also exposed to mining in terms of the uh, equipment that they serve as a very early, uh, early days for the company as a listed entity. Uh, and uh, for that, amongst some other reasons as, and relating to what we said with McMahon, it's a no-go as well. Last but not least, for the first half of the show, we had Capital Health, CAJ. Tracy wrote in and said, uh, should she buy it? Uh, and the gents both said a definitive no. They just don't have the history there, I think, to really give any investor a great deal of confidence. So that's the first half of the show. Lots of no's. Let's talk about the portfolio that we run here uh, on the call. If you're a regular viewer, you'll know that every time we have two of our guests give a thumbs up, we add it to our sample portfolio. We've been doing that, in fact, uh, since the start of this financial year, since July 1. Um, and let's be honest, it's done extraordinarily well. Not so much over the last week, but over the last month and over the last year, it has just been phenomenal. Maybe we should annualize that, guys, mm. and, and call that a 50% per annum <laughs> return. Uh, but either way, you, either way you measure it, that has been absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, what have we added recently? Um, and before I read out these stocks, for those that are interested, I'd really encourage you to go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. You will get a very detailed history of what has been moving in and out of the portfolio. Um, this is just for, for those that are after some, some investment ideas, uh, I really couldn't think of there's too many better places to, to have a look. Um, some very smart cookies on the, on the call here. And this is what they like or don't like, so check it out. If you look at the most recent stocks added, you'll see Viva Energy, CSL, Nuix, Envirosuite, and Hum Group, all added to the portfolio recently. However, uh, we do uh, take things out from time to time. And let me just be clear on this. For us to take something out, it doesn't need two thumbs down. We only need one of our guests to not like it, and that's enough to kick it out of the portfolio. And uh, let's, let's have a quick look, if we can, at the stocks that have been uh, kicked out recently. In fact, I might, have, I might have jumped the gun there. We don't have any graphics on that, but as I say, You'll see it at the bottom of the screen here, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio, and you will see all of the moves that uh, the portfolio has been making. Okay, second half of the show, Wiser, W-Z-R. This is in the portfolio. Let's see if it will stay in there. Steve wants to know whether or not this is a goer. Howard, what do you think? 
Well, I think it's what it's doing is is quite noble, trying to get people to learn to manage their money better and have better, as they call it, financial wellness. So all very positive. Um, you, it works off apps on your phone or other device. Um, so great idea, but it's not a great business. Um, why I say it's a great idea is clearly what it's doing is really nice, but this company has lost 77% of its shareholder equity four years ago, 59% of its shareholder equity the year after, 133% of its equity in 2018, and 46% in 2019, 65% in 2020. So every year they lose about half of all the money, uh, or more, in fact it's been more than half, of all the money, three quarters would be closer, of all the money put in by shareholders. So this is not a business. It's a great idea, but not a business. And when you're investing, you're investing in businesses. And on our analogy that we were talking about before, if you're wanting the best ones, it's like picking a sports team. It's not like picking your children. It's like picking a sports team. You want the very, very best players playing for you if you want to win. So, you know, if you sort of think AFL with 22 players being selected, uh, if that's about the size of a portfolio you want, you want the best 20 or 22. And this one certainly wouldn't be uh, in that. It's never come even vaguely close to making a profit. So, as I say, great idea, terrible business. Is it? I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. And just, just because of time, I'll, I'll throw this one, one to you, Gary. I guess the bulls might say here, and I don't have any shares in this, by the way. I'm, I'm genuinely playing devil's advocate. They might say that, look, this is this is about a land grab. This is about not so much what they're making today as Howard said, they're not making anything. They're losing money, in fact. But this is about what they might be doing in 10 or 20 years time. The growth companies love to quote the Amazon example, don't they? I say, well, look, it bled cash for a long, long time. But once they, once they, this is a global market opportunity. Once we've got that, then we can turn on the taps. Is that reasonable? Uh, I mean, look, Amazon actually at the peak of the 2000 boom was at $100 and it actually lost something like 94% of its share value. Did, so, yeah. so sometimes you know you can be in the greatest companies of all time and still have major contractions in price and cycles and stuff there. The problem I've got with Wiser is just a personal one. Um, if you know, my, my tip to anyone here who looks through full year annual reports, if you can't see the profit line in the first 10 pages of the full year report, then they don't want you to see. Normally, it means there's not going to be one. Right. So I have to get to page forty on Wiser to find out that they lost twenty-three million this in the last full year, which is about three times the loss from the previous year. So, yeah, I mean, it's you know, revenue lines are up one hundred thirty percent. The loan books growing. You know, uh, loan originations are all growing. So we spend you know thirty-nine pages talking about how much we're growing, and then we show us the the bottom line at the end. You know, so. That, that's not for me personally. So to me, that's, there's some risk there. Uh, you know, this is such a competitive space here at the moment. So yeah. we are talking about earlier about the mining services, how they get a little bit lumpy and how the good times and bad times. You know, fintechs, buy now, pay later, neobanks, right, the banking space, oh, the, that space is just inundated with new players here. Everyone's fighting each other for, for a piece of the pie. And so if you're fighting for a piece of pie and there's heaps of you, what do you do? You're, you're discounting, you're applying offers. I mean, I just got a free Zip money, $15 you know, discount card on the way here as a, free as a money. First, first purchase, you know? Right. You've got to give away free stuff to, 
try and win customers. But if everyone does that, the problem is here. There's just so many players here, they're all going to get squeezed. So some people will, will prosper, the, the leading companies will, will make it. But it's going to be, this reminds me of the sort of uh, 2007 sort of mining boom, all those uh, mining service players there, probably 50 to 60% didn't make it. So this is the concern here. So you've got to be in the top 20% to make money. Yeah. And if you're in the bottom 60%, you could get wiped out here. So just got to be, got to be careful here. Well, there you go, Steve. Um, both gentlemen making ridiculous amounts of sense. I did look for a silver lining. I did try, but uh, you know it's hard to go against that relentless logic. Gents, if we can, let's try and speed things up a little bit. We've got four more stocks to get through and we're fast running out of time here. Howard, what do you think about McPherson's? Keith wants to know. MCP is the code. Yeah, a uh, wholesaler, largely beauty products to uh, uh, chemist stores, um, hairdressers, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's it's been around a long time, and it's always been okay without being a particularly good investment. Now, what I mean by that is its return on equity is quite reasonable. Most years, it's over 10%. Um, it's uh, grown its earnings slowly, but very slowly over the years. Had a couple of times where it had a big downturn. So earnings today are lower than they were 10 years ago. And they've got the problem that retailers, uh, sorry, wholesalers invariably have nowadays in the times of easy price discovery via online. And that is that they're being squeezed from both ends. The manufacturers squeeze them the one end and the retailers uh, or the customers squeeze them the other end. So although their metrics look okay over the last few years, um, not a company that I could get uh, enthusiastic about. So a no for me, but there are a hell of a lot worse places you could put your money on the stock market. You know, this company at least makes decent return on equity. There are only about 100 of those, but it wouldn't make it into my top 20. Yeah, fair enough. So not, not uh, into the top 20 of Howard's sporting team. What about you, Gary? Uh, so 28th of October, announced the equity raising. Obviously, things are a little tight, so we need to raise some money. $2.27 was the raising. 31 calendar days later, 1st of December, company announces a downgrade. Ooh, and the yeah. shares prices are now, what, 120, 128 Oof. here. So, so the, you know, we've gone from a peak of 340 here, uh, you know, what, three or four months ago mm -hmm. to one. Yeah, right. so it, it, the multiples look pretty interesting here. Uh, most of broker values are looking a little higher, but, you know, that's a certain, that's a nice way to burn shareholders. Uh, is to you know do a capital raising and then you know 31 days later do a downgrade. It's also a, probably a good warning sign too. I know a lot of people, anecdotally at least, you, you tend to get attracted by a capital raising because they'll say, hey, look, it's at a 10% discount to the volume weighted average price. You yep. go, hey, it's cheaper than what I can get on the market. But yeah. that's that's really anchoring on the wrong thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's I think they were looking for some reasonable returns on um, the the Black Friday sales and lots of oh, stuff, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, so I think they didn't Cyber come Cyber Monday, whatnot. Didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't go so well. Um, my concern here is that sort of the bigger end of town is sort of if you're, you really need to be pretty good on that online space. If you're a little bit, you know, still old school and still adjusting and still playing catch up. Um, yeah, so I think, look, it might be a good value point here, but yeah, it's probably going to be a, maybe a dead cat bounce here so okay. it, maybe it's maybe it's as low as it can go but maybe it won't go too far high here so it's probably going to be stuck for a bit for a bit the old dead cat bounce haven't heard yeah. that one for a while uh let's uh i'm going to stay with you gary um let's talk united malt group umg gregory's written in this is in the portfolio already 
I guess my question for you is, will it stay in the portfolio? Yeah, I would definitely hold it here. So okay. um, to me, it's actually a bit of a range bound sort of stock here. So well, what do they do? Sorry, I'm not familiar. So with they're that. in that um, malt and craft. Uh, so for, you know, for brewers, distillers. Oh, yes. um, okay. So it's a pretty sort of one product um, company. So pretty, pretty safe. Does what um, it says on the tin. Yeah. yeah. So look, the, the last year, uh, the revenue volumes were down 10%, which is a bit of a negative. So the share price has come back, but there has been a bit of a, a, an uptick. Revenues are back up again. So they're forecasting around 7 8% growth this, this 12 months coming, which is still going to be slightly under where they were pre-COVID, but a recovery nonetheless. So mm. to me, it's a safe sort of business there. I don't know what sort of... Um, you know, what Howard's sort of going to say in terms of sort of the investment returns, a pretty new company, so it's not, not going to have a great history there as well. But to me, this looks like, I think most of broker valves are 480 to 520, so a bit, bit range bound there. Mm-hmm. I think the stock's going to be pretty pretty tight here. It's just going to be up and down, a bit, almost a bit like, um, oh, what's the Ingham's, you know, sort of bit, oh, yes. yeah, a bit range bound. So yeah. yeah, so it might be one to look at here on the downpour. So, it's gone from 490 down to 424 here, so mm. it's probably looking around the buy territory here. Okay. So a little bit lower here, I probably would be a buyer. Yeah, that's about the that's about the most positive we've had all, all show. Uh, are we going to are you going to back that up, Howard? Um, no, not to that extent. And unfortunately, I'm going to say a no. But it's it, it, on the little bit of history that we've got from it. It looks reasonable. It doesn't look good, but it looks reasonable. It does actually make a profit. Its return on equity is quite low. Um, but it's a global maltster, they call themselves now. Uh, they said global, but it seems to be um, mainly English-speaking global rather than uh, really global. So Canada, the United States, Britain, Australia, from what I could tell. Um, and um, uh, I suppose while everybody's been stuck at home, there's been a temptation to become a craft brew and brew your own beer. Um, <laughs> And which, sourdough. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. I would have thought that the revenue line would have been higher based on that, but it, it, it's not, yeah. It hasn't helped. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, there's too little history to know if this company's really going to make it over the long term. And, you know, considering it's a company that's based, or that has operations in the US, Canada as well, um, the fact that they listed in Australia rather than in one of those is also a little bit strange. There may be background to it that I don't know, but not enough information for me to say yes. So I'm sorry about that, but I'll be knocking it out of the portfolio by saying no. No, we'll never apologise for, for speaking speaking the, your your own truth, Howard. So Gregory, unfortunately, that is kicked out of the portfolio. Uh, although uh, from Gary's point of view, you could do a lot worse. Let's now talk IDP education. Howard, I'm going to stick with you again here. IEL is the code. Sam has written in. What should Sam do with IDP? Well, this is actually really interesting. This is a company that does English teaching for foreign students and also placements for foreign students going to uh, another country, usually to English-speaking countries and coming from non-English-speaking countries. So you would have thought that the COVID pandemic and lockdown would have really absolutely slammed them. But so far, that doesn't seem to be the case. And they seem to have done what they call a digital pivot and be doing a lot of their things online that they were previously doing um, face-to-face. I presume the English testing and the English teaching would easily convert online. I'm not quite sure how they would uh, do the placing of students if the students were physically going to another country, but perhaps some of them are learning online. So 
Interestingly, while their uh, earnings per share, uh, sorry, while their return on equity dropped, their earnings per share haven't. So the earnings per share so far looks okay. Now, uh, I'd be a bit nervous about it because um, it, 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 it's hard to imagine that they aren't going to get some damage out of what's happened here. But so far, it looks pretty good. So uh, if it was for me personally or for Team Invest, I'd say it's actually worth doing a bit more research on this company and spending a bit of time looking at it. Um, but uh, it's on a PE of 78. So, you know, while I may say I quite like the company, I certainly don't like the share price because if it's in a field where its earnings haven't dropped yet but could well be damaged by uh, COVID and lockdowns and borders being closed, and on a PE of 78, uh, suggests to me that now is not the time to buy, but now may be a good time to research so that when you do want to buy it one day, you know the company well when you're being offered it at a decent price by Mr. Market. That's that's about as, as positive as, as we've heard from you today, Howard. So I'll take that. I will take that as a win. But I think Howard makes a, a phenomenal point here. I think so often investors feel as though you have to make the decision. The day that you notice the stock or the day that someone mentions it to you, we all feel as though oh, I've got to make the decision now. There's this FOMO aspect to it. But why not spend as long as is needed to, to intimately familiarize yourself with the business? Yeah. And to my mind, then and only then can you be in a position to, to make a judgment, right? Yeah, it's a beauty of sort of chart patterns too as well. If you sort of see certain price levels or support zones or you see stock heading down pretty aggressively, then you're sort of, okay, looking for the you know, better entry points, things like that. So this, this sort of stocks are, you know, maybe a good analogy would be like, you know, Lewis Hamilton driving a bus. So great management, obviously great metrics in a business, but very limited here right now what they can do. Right. You know, because <laughs> like uh, you can't really sort of go, can't really sort of get, uh, you know, go 100 miles an hour here. Got to <laughs> got to be pretty safe here because of the conditions that we're in. Yep. So it's, yeah, it is, it's a hard one there because it actually has done a lot better than expected. Yeah. Uh, everyone thought it might be, the model might be in big trouble here for, for a mm. while, but they have pivoted reasonably well. I think the revenue line was, as Howard say, was only down 2%, but the net profit was up, mm. so, which, is, which is good, obviously yep. managing, but it has had really strong metrics for a while. Um, but yeah, I agree, I, I agree with Howard. I think you sit back here, this is sort of one of those stocks, I think actually, I think the stock could actually get hit pretty hard and actually come, come off quite a lot, but that could be a really good buying opportunity here as well. Yeah. If we had more time, I would love to get into it. I, I think education personally is is, is set for a, a huge structural change. On one hand, companies like this are saying, hey, look, turns out that we can do it online. Isn't that wonderful? Which is a positive. But then again, that all of a sudden opens you up to competitors from Silicon Valley, from, from everywhere, yeah. right? And if you want to speak English, it doesn't need, you don't need to be based in Australia to, to do that. So it's, I, I think it's a fascinating area. Sam, I hope that's uh, helped uh, give you a bit more insight. We are up to our last stock of the day. And again, this is, this is my fault, but gents, I'm going to have to ask for a pretty quick, succinct answer here. Matt Howard has written in asking about 360, 360 Capital Group, uh, the code there being TGP. What do you think? Um, uh, no, for me, it's a fund manager, and fund managers usually have very high return on equity because it's not capital intensive, and they usually have virtually no debt. This one's got incredibly low return on equity for a fund manager and uh, quite a bit of debt. So um, if you want a fund manager, there are much better ones on the market than this one. This one used to be called Trafalgar, 
Capital Group, uh, now uh, the 360 Capital Group. Um, but uh, its metrics don't look good for a fund manager, so no from me. Yeah, he, he's right, isn't he, Gary? Does it? Does and they've it... made a takeover offer for the Dixon Advisor Group as well. Okay. So uh, okay. probably another acquisition there. So right. Uh, yeah, it's very complicated structure. Yeah. This company as well. So when you look through it, it's like, Jesus, it's yeah. Like most of these things are quite simple. Company, you know, businesses, and so you can sort of look that that structure of the company is very very complex. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely a no for me. Yeah. There's, there's no shame, I don't think, in, in saying no to a company purely on the basis that you don't understand it. I, I probably say no to a yeah. lot of companies on yeah. that basis. It's there's, there's no extra points for degree of difficulty, yeah. so I'm fond of saying. so. I think you should only buy companies that actually do understand. I, you yeah. know, it's, when you say yeah. it like that, isn't that, yeah. isn't that really obvious? Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, Matt, although I will, I will say, um, Matt, uh, credit where it's due, shares in TGP have gone from 40 cents to a dollar over the last... 10 years or so, so the, the market price at least showing um, some positivity there. But that is it for our show today. Let me tell you that we had thumbs down pretty much across the board. I, I got a hold out of uh, uh, Gary for United Malt Group. Um, I got a maybe it's worth a closer look for IDP education from Howard, but that is all that we got. Uh, and as we said right at the start of the show, no apologies there. Our job as investors is to say no more often than we say yes. Remember, if there are any stocks that you would like our experts to give you their opinion on, We'd really encourage you to write into us and it couldn't be easier. The call at osbiz.com.au is the email address. And if you prefer, you can use Twitter. The handle there is at osbiztv. A reminder, if you want to dig into the stocks in the calls portfolio, just head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And what you will see there as soon as we update the site is that we're going to be kicking out uh, United Malt Group and Wiser after the comments from the gents today. It's always a pleasure to have your company and I look forward to seeing you again this time tomorrow. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.